Hello and welcome to your Shalmi Peah, Daf Chaf, and that was how to print. Two quick Ha'aras on the page, which are very thematic of what we've been talking about. And then back to Rav Yochanan again, because there's just a really tremendous amount of feedback and also lots of things to talk about about Rav Yochanan. Um, okay, so we talked about earlier that basically one of the logics behind um, having to give Peah from two different fields is if the field is separated and, and, and it's going to confuse people, so we have to so we have to split it. So the Gemara here talks about Two such cases, Amas Hamayim is what the, actually the mission is talking about. Whether you have a water channel that's bisecting two fields, and how do you determine whether that interrupts for you? Huda says it does. Um, what about the hills? So, um, and there it has to do with whether you could plow in one fell swoop or not. Ayin Shem of the Gemara. So, um, the Gemara says that there's a whole discussion about whether the rock interrupts or not. But I want to come on to um, so just again, you know, we, we see the same theme that. One had to make sure not to not to confuse the um, anim, and one of the uh, things that are interesting is that the Mishnah says charuvin uh, that when it comes to caribs, it's according to one shot in the Mishnah, it's not interrupted by a fence. Kol Rowan says that as long as the trees see each other, which is Mahogis Mefarshim, what that means, the Mara Fulda says it means that the trees see each other, or according to um, the Rambam, it means that two people standing next to a tree could see each other. Which is a big difference because the tree is extremely tall. So basically, um, the way that the Mepharshim explain it is that the carob tree, um, by definition, is always a loner tree because it's not planted in orchards of very, very uh, cramped spaces. It needs lots and lots of space between each other. So therefore, it's the norm. So again, the psychology is that when Ani comes, he's not going to think to himself, um, oh, okay, this, I wonder where the, he's going to know exactly where the pea is because he's not going to get confused. He already knows that carob trees are always planted very far away from each other, so he'll know to look elsewhere. So there's going to be less confusion. So therefore, since the orchard of carob trees always has large separations and, and distances, so therefore, again, Chazal were more makel, and they said you could consider it one large thing. And then the last thing is that Rabbi Gamliel says that Noah and Hayu base Abba, my father's house, they would do exactly what we just said to give a single pea for olive trees, um, even though they were in different places. Um, but again, within some proximity, like we were talking about, on the Harun for the carob trees, called Ruins as they followed the Mishnah exactly what we said. And again, who was Rehuda? Uh, who was this Rabbi Gamliel? He was Rabbi Gamliel of Yavna. There's many Rabbi Gamliels. He was, he was the Nasi in Yavna after Horban uh, by Sheni. And he is quoted throughout Chazal, uh, Bavli and Yerushalmi, quoting his father, the Nasi, Rabbi Shimon. For example, look at Beitza. It's also a Mishnah, many other ones. And he was a contemporary of Lazar Batsadik, according to Rashi and Erevin. And um, that basically is who he was. Let's talk about Rabbi Yochanan, some fascinating things. Um, okay, so I wanted to come back to a couple of statements of Rabbi Yochanan. I mentioned that he was extremely prolific in that he was quoted by um, over 100 people, and he himself quotes um, dozens upon dozens of Chacham that he learned under. Um, he had many, many Rabbeim. Some of his most famous ones, just if you want a small list, is... Um, I will do that right here. Um, he had many, many Rabbeim. Rehuda Hanasi. And um, and many other Abayim. Okay, hopefully I'll get back to that in a minute. So uh, here it is. Rabbi Gamliel, the third, uh, Rehuda Nesiah, um, Bar Kafra, Rivchia, and his son, Chizkiah, Rishuah Ben Levi, Rishim Ben Yotzadik, etc., etc. And he is, um, he quotes 44 Tanam in Amoraim throughout Bavli and Yerushalmi. So he had a lot of Abayim that he, Heard things from. Okay. Um, another thing is that um, there's a Yerushalmi in, in Beitza, or Beitza, depending on how you pronounce it, Parak Hey, that um, he makes the following statement about himself. 
that all this greatness of Torah came from the fact that he once merited to see Rebbe's fingers when they slipped out of his glove. So what, I don't know what that means exactly, but remember, Rabbeinu HaKadosh had very holy hands, and it says that before he died, he lifted up his hands to heaven. Um, and so, and he said he was never Nana from this world. So I would imagine that the two are related, that his hands were his embodiment of Torah, and so therefore, um, he was saying that, you know, I learned from him by seeing those hands what it means to, to be an Ovid Hashem with all of your heart and all of your soul. Um, and that could be something that, that that could be the lesson. I've talked about this many times. It's one of my ma major themes, and that's okay. We all have themes. Um, that Rabbi Yochanan uh, himself was from Tsipori and Tiberia. And he was most famous for living in Tiberia. But I always talk about this multiple times, about how Chazal put Tsipori and Tiberia on a certain pedestal, and they're constantly talked about together, and it needs a better, better Hezber about exactly what that is and what that theme is. Um, there are two Chazals that are so to each other, which are not a stira, but um, whether he was rich or not. Uh, one Chazal says that he was dirt poor, and the other one says that he was extremely rich. But they're not a stira at all, because in Shemos Rabbah, Perak um, 47.5, and other places as well, basically he was walking, um, by the way, from Tiberia to Tsipori, where he was born, and he was talking to Rechia Barabah. And they passed by a field of Ryokan and said, This used to be used this used to belong to me, but I sold it so I could learn Torah. Then they passed by a vineyard, Ryokan and said, This vineyard used to be mine, but I sold it so I could learn Torah. Then they passed by an olive orchard, and Ryokan said, This used to be mine, but I sold it so I could learn Torah. Rukhia Barava started to cry. So he said, Why are you crying? Ryokan said, Why are you crying? Rukhia said, Because you left nothing. How are you gonna support yourself in your old age? So Ryokan told him, Chia, my son, I no, you know what I did? I sold something that was given to mankind in six days, as a, and he quotes a Pusik. Hashem created the world in six days, but the Torah was given in 40 days. Moshe went up for 40 days and 40 nights. And when Yochanan died, his generation said, this Pasuk, that, um, So again, um, basically, it seems like he had inherited a large estate, and he, he supported himself for a long time until he ran out of the money. So he was rich. Um, he supported himself without getting involved with the finances. Um, there's many stories about different Gedolim that had different portions of lands or different stuff. Riskarov, who lost his dowry, and many other people as well that um, you know were able to dedicate themselves to Torah instead of worrying about the business part. And again, we find that the Gemara Tainus, the Bavli, Aleph and Aleph, so it says that he that Rav Yochanan and Ilfa were learning and they were terribly poor. So again, the Tolus Tanam Amram says explicitly that this was after that story happened um, where he ran out of money. So they said, let's go take a business that Fs Evion, but there will be people that are poor. Famous, famous Gemara. And um, Rav Yochanan uh, heard this Baskal that you know that, that said you know, that the wall was going to fall on him, and he went, and he said Ilfa didn't hear it. And Rav Yochanan went with that calling, um, and Ilfa came back, and Rav Yochanan had been crowned the Rashiva at that time. So there's a very very interesting um, thing there. We talked about exactly how long Rav Yochanan was uh, re uh, a Rashiva for about 80 years, or certainly a, a very very long time. There's one last thing that I wanted to mention, which I found very very fascinating about Rav Yochanan's life in Chazal as well. And that is his reluctance to become a Rashiva, and how he accidentally kind of ended up in Tveria, where he um, proliferated so much of his Torah. And um, where is this? And this is just really, really fascinating. Um, give me one second. Put a marker over here. Okay. Um... Here it is. Um, so after the passing of Chizkiah, the son of Rebchia, one of Yochanan's many teachers, he wanted to establish his own yeshiva. And this is, Tosis brings us down, Gittin, Daf, 
um, pay Dalad Amon Beis. Um, and there's also a Gemara, Babakam, about this. So even though his other teachers were alive. So at the time, the Nasi's official residence was in Sipori. Rabbi Hanina was head of the yeshiva there that had been founded by Rebbe. So Rabbi Yochanan chose to leave the city to go to Tiveria. And the Yerushalmi and Beitza, uh, Paragal, right at the beginning, says Rabbi Yochanan left Sipori for, uh, for Tiveria because Rabbi Hanina, who was the Torah leader of Sipori, ruled differently. Um, I'm sorry. Rabbi Yochanan left Sipori to go live in Tiveria, where he's most famous for living, because Rabbi Hanina, who was the leader of Sipori, uh, ruled differently than him in many other cases, and he didn't want to weaken his teacher's authority, so therefore he moved. Um, also, Rav Yochanan establishes yeshiva in Tiveria um, because that was one of the few places that, that were avoided the Roman rules. It was a hot climate, and they didn't like Tiveria. Um, and he did not plan plan to uh, run the yeshiva, but again, I mentioned that story in Tinus that talks about him running the yeshiva. There's one more thing that I wanted to mention, which was just in general, um, the development of Bavli and Yerushalmi, I mentioned this, that basically, originally, the um, there's a lot of gullus that created some of the dynamic of how um, Torah was learned in different places, but basically with the destruction of the Bias Rishon, the Jews of Eretz Yisrael went to Bavel. So Bavel became the place um, where the Jews went after Bias Rishon. About 50 years later, the Babylonian Empire was conquered by Paras Umadai uh, of Hanukkah uh, note, uh, of Purim note, and um, some Jews came back, some Jews didn't. There's a whole conversation about when the Jews came back, etc., etc., etc. We know that Ahasuerus' son, Daryavish, the son of Esther, and Ahasuerus is the one who eventually let the rebuilding of the Basement happen. We know that, that uh, there was many people that tried to stop it when it was originally um, started again and allowed. Um, and we know a lot about Daniel, uh, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Or specifically Ezra and Nehemiah, and they're coming back there. It's Israel. You know, let me say that for a different time because there's a lot to say on that. But basically, um, that was just some basic background about where the Jews were. And we'll talk more about how the Babli and Yerushalmi again came came about uh, in different orders, etc., etc. Obviously, the Yerushalmi came first, and the Babli refined it and argued with it as well in many ways. Have a great day.